0: Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast, sponsored by the National Honey Board, your resource for Mother Nature's true sweetener. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking. In this season, I'm talking with Rebecca Abel, owner of Divine Cookies in Taylor, Michigan. From starting a bakery, to moving into the first big facility, to strategic growth and operations and product development, Rebecca and I are looking at cookie production through the lens of an entrepreneur. This week, we're unpacking key learnings for product development and R&D. Hi Rebecca, thanks for joining me again this week. Hi Joni, great to be here. So last week, we had a very fascinating conversation about your journey in starting Divine Cookies and really learning the art of cookie making and cookie production for manufacturing. This week, I want to talk about your philosophies on how you chose the type of cookie you wanted to make and what goes into your product development behind that. Our first hire here at Avant Food Media, I remember having the conversation about if she is a crispy cookie kind of girl or a soft bake cookie kind of girl. So your cookie preference almost sort of defines your personality. So how did you choose what type of cookie you wanted Divine to be?
1: Well, it's funny that you say that because, yeah, I, I find that there are definitely two sides of this cookie game with the crispies or the the chewy and soft. And I went with my preference. My cookie is a little bit crispy on the outside and then soft on the inside. I wanted the thick, more kind of under baked type of cookie that I liked eating. Right. Because I figured if I'm taste testing all these cookies, I got to go with what I like. And, and I was very much on that side of the fence that, you know, that's the cookie
0: is this soft gooey cookie. I think I'm a soft baked cookie myself. There's something comforting about it. But I
1: figured, okay, maybe I can combine the two. If I can have a little bit of crisp and a little bit of soft, then then I'm really winning.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a great concept. So after several years, how has the product evolved since you first started testing all of those cookie recipes?
1: Well, it's evolved a lot in going into automation because – equipment changes your product. And so, you know, we started with a much thicker cookie because I wanted that cookie that was really kind of stocky. That worked really well when we were making everything by hand and using, you know, the six pan oven. Then as we started getting into larger automation, the cookies don't come out the same. So things have evolved and they're still soft on the inside and crunchy on the outside, but they're not quite as stocky. That's been something that I've had to adapt to and adapt my packaging to and whatnot. But it's hard to make the same cookie when you're making it by hand as, you know, using different automation equipment and making things on a much larger scale. But to me, it was all about consistency through the flavor. So if if every flavor I made was the same shape and size, then I was okay. But it, it did evolve. The look of the cookies evolved substantially from, you know, it being about an inch and a half high when I initially started to about three quarters of an inch high at this point.
0: Okay. And so that obviously, like, you have to have that consistency when you're manufacturing and, you know, they have to fit into a package in exactly the same way. And you're looking at a consumer experience or a consumer expectation that's very different versus a cookie you buy from a storefront. What was sort of your mindset in reconciling, adjusting that formula to create that consistency with your product?
1: Again, going for consistency between all the different flavors, it it, it took a lot of R&D once I was going into the scaling mode to tweak the recipes to get everything looking consistent now that we were making it in a different way. And so my mindset was, okay, I'm just going to keep tweaking things until they're perfect. There was a lot of time and a lot of waste that we had to incur to get things to be right. You know, a lot of batches that we had to donate or give away that didn't look consistent once we were were making them with equipment. And it was frustrating. I had no idea that it was going to be as complicated as it was. But I, you know, I hired food scientists and consultants and really, again, had to go into this big research mode to get things so that they would all come out looking the same. They were going to taste the same, but it was about this look of, you know, the same diameter and the same height and so on.
0: Right. So today, how many SKUs do you have? I know that you talked about when you had your vision for the company, you wanted to have like 40 different kinds of flavors. Where are you now?
1: We're about 32 SKUs of products. So there is still a lot of depth. And that's what I focus on was depth of my product line. So I make keto cookies, vegan, gluten-free, classic, and stuffed cookies. To me, indulgence was about choice and having a lot of different flavors and options and you know cookies that were still decadent that you know, somebody that was vegan and gluten-free could have and so we still do have a lot of SKUs which is complicated because to manufacture you know a lot of different flavors with different ingredients is not an easy feat but that's part of what our company is is about depth of flavors
0: yeah on that note with that depth of flavors Let's talk about what some of your current product development strategies are. Like, is flavor development really the primary focus and strategically looking down the road? Is that where you're going to maintain your focus? Or do you have any thoughts or plans for like new product types that you're gonna tinker with?
1: Right now it's it's on flavors. So I I look at every ingredient i can get my hands on so i go to you know various trade shows and really focus on the ingredient side in my role so i do all the r&d and all the flavor creation and so i want to find amazing compound companies or extracts or different inclusions and then you know look at flavor trends in the market and that that's my focus on What's gonna make a great cookie is a complex flavor profile and textures and um, right now I'm not looking at increasing and you know getting into new products. I want to stay cookie. but you know down the line, it's something that once we've really perfected and have our, our cookie systems go and you know are in a much bigger space, then maybe I'd consider getting into some other categories of, of desserts. but I figure keeping it simple, let me stick with cookies and make the very best cookies that we can make and innovate some new flavors. And then, you know, down the line, maybe we'll add on to it, but it, it's
0: cookies is enough. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot you can do with cookies. And I'm actually sitting here thinking about when it comes to flavor development, is it better to enhance? a current flavor and make it better and increase the quality of a flavor that you have? Or is it better to figure out what the next big flavor is going to be? I do a little bit of both, but I try
1: to focus on small improvements of our core products. So I'll look at, okay, how can we put a little more filling in this cookie? Or how can we make it have a little bit more complex of a flavor profile. But it's not simple because we have to purchase a lot of packaging for something and keep all of our product on label. So, you know, you can't necessarily change the ingredients, but it's like, okay, maybe you change slight quantities and things. And so it's it's not necessarily something easy to do, but it is my focus to have small improvements. Constant small improvements is my focus on – you know, the cookies and kind of in life. Uh, But it is fun. It's very fun to come up with new product ideas. But, you know, and I I like to go onto that creative side and brainstorm things. And the way I do it is I take classic flavors of things. So like, for instance, you know, turtle cheesecake or something like there that I might go out to a restaurant and have a turtle cheesecake. And I'm constantly thinking, gosh, I'm going to make a turtle cheesecake cookie. That's really fun and exciting. And I do do that. I I try to come up with a couple new flavors a year, but really remind myself about, like, how can I make what we have even better?
0: So... You're a young brand and a relatively small company. Do you think that that helps you in your product development or does that hinder you? Because one of the benefits of being small is that you are nimble and you can sort of fire off those new ideas and try new things really quickly. But does it make it hard though, being young and small? No, I I think it makes it easier because...
1: We don't have a lot of red tape to make changes in our products. So I've worked with some different consultants that are amazed at how quickly we can pivot on something because they're used to working with the bigger companies that it might take six months to roll out something or to roll out any kind of small change. And for me, it's a decision that I'm making relatively independently about, you know, and that I do all the R&D and product development. If I've decided, okay, you know, what, we're we're going to make a change in this cookie it's me figuring out the change and then getting with my graphic designer and printing new film and the change is done and letting distributors know and whatnot, but it's, it's still pretty easy. Now, I view it getting harder as we get bigger and bringing in more higher level management employees. It's, it's not going to be quite so easy. So that's why I, you know, I'm really trying to get things dialed in still now before we go on our next massive growth spurt.
0: I was, Rebecca, I was just going to say, enjoy it while you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: There is something nice about being limber and and small.
0: Yes, for sure. That is the joy of being a small operation that you can just fire off those ideas and just run on the adrenaline of ideation. Definitely. So let's take that a step further and look at how R&D and product development Fit into your business plan? What is the strategy for growth in terms of your product development? So, I am looking to keep things again simple on
1: product development. I'm looking to stay within cookies and innovate a couple new flavors a year. I want to have our core lineup of flavors, which we have. And I always start and initially overcomplicate things and think, oh, let's roll out a new flavor every month. But as you're you're doing large scale production, it, it's not so easy and you've got a certain amount of film that you have to buy. And so at this point, you know, we have a core lineup of flavors and then we have two quarterly offerings that right now I'm finalizing for 2023 what those quarterly offerings are going to be. That's my realm is I'm the R&D and I'm the person sourcing the ingredients and looking at new vendors for cool and unique inclusions or toppings or or whatever we're going to put into the cookie. And so, you know, our strategy is to innovate, but to keep things simple um, so that it's actually sustainable and we can keep our focus narrow so that we can come up with something really good.
0: Do you get requests from customers on the branded side, of course, not for the contract manufacturing, but do you get requests from your customers for different types of flavors or things that their consumers are looking for? We do. People love
1: to make requests on flavors and I love getting them, but I also have to know when to say no because they don't realize when they request this particular flavor how much really goes into it. People love to share their ideas for different combinations and it's, it's, it's fun to talk about but I, I can't. I can't do everything that people want. You know, I, I've resolved that we're not going to please everybody here. But s- some people have some great ideas that I will pursue.
0: Are you going to pursue the turtle cheesecake cookie? I have to know that. It's nine o'clock in the morning where I am right now, as we're recording this, and all I can think about is turtle cheesecake cookie.
1: <laughs> you know, I I love turtle cheesecake, and. I do think we're going to pursue it, but it's not, it didn't make our lineup for next year. Okay. So yeah, it, it, you know, I couldn't fit it. I was trying to pick flavors that would resonate with the quarter, you know, so I've got my winter, spring, summer, fall. And yeah, I think that that would be a good fall cookie, but I had two that I just liked better than that flavor for the fall. So I'm sticking with my pumpkin cheesecake and my caramel apple pie for the fall next year.
0: Oh my gosh. Um yeah, I'm sitting here thinking maybe next Thanksgiving I'll be able to enjoy a turtle cheesecake divine cookie. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> let's let's I'm gonna put it on the DACA for 2024.
0: How about okay. that?
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Keep me posted. <laughs> yeah, you'll we'll, we'll be a tester in 2023 when
0: I'm working on the hard. I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> okay, so the next thing that I want to talk about with product development is quality and the role that quality plays in your R&D. Like what's the ratio between QC and R&D in your product development?
1: And that's a great question because we've recently hired somebody in QC to really focus on that because the R&D lab is completely different than the production space, especially because, you know, we're making things in small batches. But they've really got to equal out because, you know, we've got to dial in the R&D and then we have to translate it into the production floor and make sure that this cookie's coming out the right size and the right shape. And it's really, it can be difficult to translate to the equipment from what I'm making, you know, in my lab. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a definitely delicate balance there and it can be frustrating and it can be expensive to dial it in on the QA side and to not be able to use a lot of cookies in the beginning once we're launching a new flavor. But, you know, we have a commitment to things really looking consistent. And so we uh, we donate a lot of product because it doesn't meet our QC, uh, our QA standard. And so it's frustrating and expensive, but it's, you know, a commitment that we make to to make sure that our cookies are consistent.
0: this season of troubleshooting innovation is sponsored by the national honey board honey truly is mother nature's sweetener from the beehive to your bakery food it comes from every corner of the world and provides a sense of time and place it's flavorful functional and composed of a complex mix of carbohydrates acids minerals antioxidants vitamins and prebiotics and while honeybees are making honey They're also pollinating more than 35% of the foods we eat. Learn more at www.honey.com. So how do you think having someone dedicated to QC on your staff is going to help sort of streamline that and maybe figure things out in the development stage before the testing stage is that something that this person can sort of bring to the team so that you're not doing as much trial and error?
1: Yes. And she's new in the role. So that is my goal is that you know she can assist to help transition from the lab to the production floor in a little bit more meaningful way because I don't want it to be as frustrating as it is um, right now to make that transition and have to go through four or five big batches to really dial things in.
0: Right. So what is her background? And again, we'll get into this in a couple of weeks when we talk about like people development versus product development. But is that her background or is this something that she's hired to focus on this and she's gonna be learning it as she goes?
1: Yeah. So she is somebody that's learning it as she goes. She's a baker, but she hasn't worked in the production world. And again, it's a little bit different when you're in a retail bakery than when you are in a manufacturing facility. But, you know, being small, you can't always a lot. A lot of my employees, I've had to hire and train and learn with them versus finding like industry veterans. Um, just you know, still being kind of a startup, it'd be great to hire somebody with ten years of experience, but it's not necessarily affordable to do. So
0: right, I get that.
1: Consulting with. Experts, I have a call next week with a, a food scientist to narrow down some issues that we're having. But, you know, her and I will do that call together so that we can put those learnings in place so that next time we don't have to make the five batches to dial things on, on, on the equipment. But yeah, the goal is to have her really able to help me transition these products a little bit better so that the QC is not as wasteful for the first couple right. know, batches of something new.
0: And that's probably what the downside to being able to be that nimble and try new things. It comes with a bit of waste when you have to do that trial and error.
1: Definitely. And that's why, you know, when people have all these requests, I have to filter it through. Well, okay, yeah, that sounds like an amazing cookie, but we can only pick two because if we're if we're trying to make seven new cookies, you know, we're going to have a lot of downtime and a lot of waste. So. Right,
0: right. Do you rely on your ingredient suppliers at all in that R&D process and trying to identify like bringing quality into it?
1: Definitely. Yeah, I've consulted with some really great chefs that are resources of some of my suppliers. And they've been really helpful and had great ideas. And yeah, I mean, I'll take any advice that I can get, but especially if it's coming from a really well-known pastry chef and one of my suppliers in specific has access to some really great – people in the baking world that I've been able to pick their brains and get advice on how to get a crumble a little bit more textured and so on.
0: That's awesome. Okay, here's a question you probably don't remember that we talked about this, but one of the first conversations I had with you that I I remember thinking, wow, this lady is is something special. We talked about you mentioned that you sort of take an engineering approach To your product development do you remember telling me that yeah i do so how does that work and what are the benefits to thinking like an engineer when you're developing a cookie
1: well i need to have something that i can systematize so to me engineering is about like systems and so i i have to be very selective on even when i'm r and d'ing a cookie of like what can be systematized because, you know, for instance, let's say, you know, I had an idea to put a Reese's peanut butter cup in the middle of a cookie or whatnot. Well, that can't be systematized with with the type of automation we have. So I have to filter everything through, you know, will this work in automation? Yes, it can be a great idea and I love that flavor, but A, you know, is it something that can be on a shelf? Is it something that can work on my machines? And so I start by filtering everything through that and have to design my products so that they work for, you know, I I don't want to say mass manufacturing, but yeah, that, you know, I'm looking to make hundreds of thousands of each flavor. And and so we have to make it so that it it will work with the tools that we have.
0: So if my turtle cheesecake cookie isn't coming until Thanksgiving of 2024, (laughs) do you look at like an 18 month lead time on your product development?
1: Um, no. I, I look at usually a six month lead time, but I like to come up with the ideas, you know, I have a schedule. So for next year, you know, I'm working on my cookies that will launch in the um winter time. And finalizing ingredients and a process, and doing some test bakes on on what those are. But yeah, I I, I don't want to have to. Yes, the idea is is eighteen months out of what's coming in twenty twenty four. But the the R and D and the trials are it's about a six month time. And then you know I have to dial in where we're going to source these ingredients from and get my film ready and all that. So yeah, I'm not patient enough to wait eighteen months from um concept to um, implementation.
0: Okay. And um, when you talked about like sourcing the ingredients, what comes first usually? The capabilities of your current ingredient supplier or the idea or concept for the new product? Do you come up with the product and then figure out what ingredient supplier is going to source it? Or do you look at what your current resources are and say, how can we R&D within that space? Especially now that Supply chain is such an issue.
1: Yeah. Well, I tend to come up with the flavor first and then figure out where I'm going to source the ingredients from. Sometimes, though, you know, I'll be at a show and I'll see an ingredient and I'll design something around it. Because again, I'm looking for innovation, I'm looking for cool products. And so sometimes seeing something might trigger an idea for a product. And and yeah, my current suppliers have some great resources, but I'm looking for unique mixes or unique ingredients out there. So it's a a little bit of both. I have great suppliers that I can find most of what I need from. So I utilize them as much as possible, but it it is really fun finding a total new supplier and something that they're making that drives a flavor in itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with this whole discussion of product development, how has your approach to R&D impacted your approach to manufacturing? We talked about a little bit in the beginning, as far as you have to think about how a new product is going to be machined on the line, but how do you think about what machines you need based on what types of products you want to make?
1: I look at the machines that we have and what their capabilities and we have to look at what the consistency of doughs or fillings that these machines can handle. And I have to take my flavor and make sure that it's going to be able to be processed through that equipment. So it's a balance between the two at all times. Um, Like I can't take something like a Reese's peanut butter cup and put it through my machine. It won't work like that. You got to balance the R&D between what's going to work in the equipment and what's going to be the flavor that you want and the two have to be hand in hand at all times with all of my R&D.
0: So have you ever like had conversations that sounded something like I would love to make x type of cookie or x variety or flavor of this cookie, but I'm not going to be investing in that type of equipment in order to make that happen anytime soon?
1: It, absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do have to say no and let them know why it's not something that I can make because people have all sorts of requests for something that they might want. But if I don't have a plan to buy the type of equipment that can make that, I'll tell them right away that, you know, that sounds amazing, but we don't have the right equipment to do that. And that's not something that we're looking to purchase in the near future. So yeah, I I try to keep it real honest and simple that here's our capabilities and here are things we can do and here are things that we can't do.
0: But on the flip side and we kind of talked about how R&D and product development fit into your business plan. Do you have your eye on any sorts of equipment that will change your R&D and product development capabilities in the future?
1: Definitely down the line, there are a few machines that I'd really love that could change some of our flavors and some of our toppings. But they're there at least a year down the line. Yeah. But it, it'd be great to have a whole lineup of, of different things that we could be using to give ourselves variety, but we're just, we're not there yet. You know, we have a decent bit of automation, but there, there's always a list of five new things that we'd love and, you know, that we're going to look at as money
0: allows. Right. Okay, Rebecca, those are all of my questions for this week. Thanks for making me so hungry. At nine o'clock in the morning oh
1: yeah it's it's hard to work in the cookie world you know, it's, it's... <laughs> talking about desserts
0: i I have a rule at my house that like Christmas day is the only day where it's okay to eat cookies for breakfast, but I want to have a cookie for breakfast right now oh yeah it, it's it's tough working in a cookie
1: factory. I'll tell you that there's there's a lot of cookie breakfasts in my world.
0: <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Okay, so next week, we are going to look at really the machines and the manufacturing and talk about that journey from a storefront into manufacturing and and where you are now because you just recently made a big step into a new facility. And so you're sort of the new kid on the industrial block. So we're going to talk about that next week. And I'm very interested to Hear your perspective in stepping into some new equipment, a new facility, and and how that's changing your business for you.
1: Well, looking forward to talking all about that. It, it's uh, it has been a process. This is our uh, fifth move in in five years, so. Wow.
0: Wow. Well, hopefully, you're in a home that you'll be in for a while. And I cannot wait to hear about this journey next week. So, thanks for joining me this morning. And I will talk to you about more manufacturing next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Joni. Thank you for listening to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, the National Honey Board your resource for Mother Nature's true sweetener. For more information, visit www.honey.com.